Hallelujah. I hope everybody who's here listening and will listen record from Sunday. Now it's a little hard. But the word of God is like a sword that goes into the depth of a soul and of a spirit and sometimes revealing things which were hidden, which we ourselves were not aware of. Today is the 116th day since the lockdown began. The pandemic caused panic began and things are changing fast spiraling out of control politically in every manner. And God's people are called to stand in the gap. Jesus said, my father and I are at work from the beginning and I am still at work. That's in John 5.17. He said, we can only work when there is light. The hours of darkness is coming. When the hours of darkness comes, we will not be able to preach. But there will be something that can never be stopped. Our praise cannot be stopped. Our prayer cannot be stopped. Even proclamations cannot be stopped. And the Jesus' last words when everything's ended. Maybe a thousand plus years before him, the rebellious son of David was lifted up between heaven and earth caught in the trees and the spear was thrust through him. But a thousand plus years later, the obedient son of David was also lifted up and a spear would be thrust into his side. But even his last words were words of prayer and of proclamation. His final words, if you look at John and Luke, if you combine it together, is a proclamation. It's finished. You need to know that only God's, only kings proclaim. And when we are born into the family of God, has sons and daughters, and has brothers and sisters of the king, we too can proclaim. And he proclaimed, it is finished. And the next words, his final words were a prayer, into thy hands I commit my spirit, Father. So there is something that will not stop and should not stop, even when everything else stops. So this morning as we come to the Lord with our prayer, before we look into the word, let's pray. Father, we come to you. We pray, Lord. You'll always make us people who pray, people who preach, people who proclaim, people who praise. When everything ends, let our praise and our prayer never end. Even the last breath you gave us, even with our last breath, breath. Help us to praise you and pray and go home. Speak to us this morning. Speak to us this morning, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 New covenant. The new covenant begins in everybody's life. Everybody's life, the new covenant begins at the point you and I are born again. That's when the new covenant begins. Till then, we are still in the old covenant. Our conscience on our law or the law will judge us. 
But the minute you are born again, you are born again as a child of God, as a child of the King. That's what the Bible says, to as many as who received him, he gave him the power to become the child, the son, the daughter of God. And as soon as that begins, please remember, there has to be a complete, total paradigm shift in our thinking. Because you are a child of God now, a child of the King. So we have responsibilities, we have privilege. But think about the Forget the privileges, okay? We have it. It's ours forever. But we have duties as a child of God because you have become a kingdom person. Child of the king and a subject of the king. So there should be a complete, total paradigm shift that takes place, which doesn't happen in your schools and in universities. The schools and universities are preparing for the world, but the church is preparing you to be a subject and a child of God. So in Matthew four seventeen, when Jesus comes, the first powerful word that he uses connected with the kingdom is there has to be a total transformational think change in thinking that's that word repent continuously constantly we will be changing the way we think Romans 12 2 we don't have to go there we'll talk about the renewal of the mind and not conforming to the pattern of the world so education wise you will always children of God always will struggle because you are being formatted in one way there and in another way there. And one of the reasons I left my PhD was that you couldn't handle it both. Science is that way safer, but literature is not safe because you are dealing with ideas. So you cannot have, you cannot put your feet in two boats. You will fall one way or other or into the middle of nowhere. So the kingdom of God comes and makes this radical demand from us that is repent for the kingdom of God is here. And then when you enter in it, there's even more further demand from us. In Matthew 11, verse 12, Jesus says, the kingdom of God has its parameters or its way it functions. From the days of John the Baptist, who is the one who introduces the concept about the kingdom to the world, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it worse. Both. Both. It suffers violence and it also advances only forcibly. It suffers violence at the hands of men. And it advances forcibly in the spiritual realm. It is violent with powers of darkness. Gentle with men, violent with powers of darkness. So it suffers violence, yet it advances with violence. It's a contradiction, but it is true. With men, suffers violence okay we suffers violence yet it is forcefully advancing it's the army of sheep among wolves okay, it's an army of sheep among wolves they are wise as serpents gentle and harmless as doves here there no it's like the simple illustration he use is the duck okay if you look at the duck gently cruising on water. If you look at its legs, it's violent down over there. Okay, so we saw that in Luke 19.15, the king makes a demand from his subjects, occupy till I come. He says, everything that you have, I have given you. Your life, your breath, your strength, your talents, your gifts, your resources, everything I have given you for one purpose, occupy till the king comes. So you put all these together, Please remember, 
Once you enter into the kingdom, the kingdom takes priority. You have to be a kingdom person. That's why Jesus puts priority, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things for this life. I'll keep adding, don't worry about it. Your focus, everything about your life, you are a student, your study should be kingdom focused. In what I do, what I study, what I say, what I write, will I hallow his name or not? Or do I bring shame to his name? If I lose marks on this answer, let it be so. It's fine. I'm willing to pay that price. You know, if you, if you, if you subscribe to evolution, uh, you will get marks. If you subscribe to creation, you will, uh, you will lose marks. Okay? And, uh, be wise as a serpent. When you have got an evolutionary question, answer, we begin your answer with the professor saying, according to science. If you're making a very clear statement, you are not a scientist, but according to science, this is the answer. That's what I used to tell my students who are believers. This is how you write according to science. So you're clear. You're making a very clear statement. This is what science says. That doesn't mean that's my opinion. Okay, so please remember, even as a child or even as the CEO of a company like Goya, uh, CEO, founder, was being attacked left and right because he supported Trump's agenda. So the whole leftist media is after him. Cancel culture. Don't buy Goya foods. And this, that's how they do. That's how radicals do. They will kill you. So there's immediate uh, movement from the other side. Buy Goya. <laughs> okay, that's how we should do. No, we should we should be gentle, but use violence, spiritual violence. Okay? We will buy your product. Even if I don't want it, I'll buy it and donate it. That's what they're doing. Buy and donate it to the food banks. Okay, so you always have to. You cannot be. You cannot be neutral. Oh no, neutral. That is passive nonviolence. With Buddha priest achieves nothing. Jesus priest active nonviolence. If somebody slaps on you one cheek, show the other. Somebody makes you walk a mile, go two. Okay, that's active. So when there is this cancel culture from the left, is demonic realm. What do you do? You go into the buying culture. You buy products of the kingdom of God, of children who are standing there with their convictions and say, I will buy your product, even if I don't need it, and give it to those who want, because I'm subscribing to this, and I will not go with that. If you stay neutral, you help them. There's nothing. That's what Jesus said, if you don't gather with me, you will scatter. You cannot be neutral in this battle. So please understand, the kingdom of God demands convictions. The kingdom of God demands children of people, God to take a stand. We are harmless as doves, but we are wise as servants. We are willing to suffer violence, but we will be incredibly violent with the powers of darkness. So when it comes to this, if you come to this battle into which we are called to join, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse seven and 17 and 18, all weapons of warfare are divided into two over there. Take the helmet of salvation. Okay, that's connected with the armor. We'll look at it probably on Thursday. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, that's a weapon. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So you have two uh, weapons being mentioned over there. One is the word of God. The other is prayer. And it's empowered by the Spirit of God, both. If the Spirit of God is not included in both, it loses its power. So whether it is the Word or whether it is your prayer, 
Okay, in both it has to be spirit empowered. So you use the word in your proclamation, you word you use the word in your witness, you use the word in your preaching, you use your word in your praise, all weapons. The gospel, the preaching of the gospel itself is an incredible weapon which delivers captives. Okay, that's how Jesus comes. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. So he invokes the Spirit, stands in the power of the Spirit, and he says, He anointed me to do what? To preach. So it becomes a weapon of mass destruction. The enemy is destroyed and people are set free. So please remember the word of God and prayer. And what kind of prayer? All prayer. All kinds of prayers. Different, different kinds of prayers. Please understand. Tomorrow, on the 115th day of the lockdown, we are beginning prayer. Not that we didn't pray, but live prayer. We will be starting on Wednesday. Friday and Saturday morning from 9.30 onwards, we are inviting our worldwide church, all our GDC members from all around the world to be, to come and be joined in prayer with us. One of the fundamentals you need to realize, let me put it across this detail. All of us sitting over here belong to our church. You belong to, it's just a label, it's a worldwide church and there are different churches in there, different rooms in a big house. So our hearts are united with GTC. Okay? Though we are part of a big ship, we are. So be very, very careful. Like I will use an example. Like We have Sister Anne in our church. She works for Gideon, which is a Christian organization. So five days a week, she works with Gideons, and she's involved with Gideons and all, but she's part of GTC. So with Sister Anne, what happens is she will be in the prayer meetings of Gideons, and she will also be involved in the prayer of GTC. But those who are not working for an organization, not working for an organization, then you are only part of GTC. You cannot pray with GTC on Monday, Tuesday with the Lutheran Church, Wednesday with Jesus Calls, and Thursday. Your prayers are not going nowhere because your mind is already divided with different burdens. A lot of people try to do everything and it simply doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. God has put people in different churches and different churches have different burdens of the same king. Same king. It's like an army. It's an army. Army has different regiments. All the regiments don't fight the same battles. The armored brigade is different. The artillery brigade is different. The gunners are different. The Rajputana rifles are... They are different, but they are all part of the same army. They are all part of the same army. So you are part of GTC. GTC. And if you you know you are part of GTC, then as the prayer goes, be burdened with what God has given us. We are called to do our part. I'm not called to do the Baptist churches part. That is their call. Their call. I cannot bear that burden because I don't have the, the spirit for that burden. We have been given the spirit to bear our own burden. Okay. So please need to realize even when Jesus was sent, he was, he was told, go to the children of Israel. Though he died for the whole world, he said, go to the children of Israel. He didn't go around the Gentiles. He didn't. So he just around 40 square kilometer. 50 square, 100 square, that was his entire trajectory because that was what he was sent for. Could he have gone to the ends of the world? Yes, he could have. Did he go? No, he didn't. He did. So please understand this very, very, because you are not being very broad-minded or anything when you are just wasting your energy because we are not very clear about our specifics, what we are doing. So when we start the prayer, one, that's why whenever you ask for GDC, when we had our fasting and prayer on those days before lockdown, can I invite? I said, no. I always used to tell anybody, can I invite this friend of mine from the other church? I said, no. I don't want them here. 
It's not their call. It's not their burden. It's not their call. It's not their burden. We teach, we pray. And the teaching is not connected with them. The prayer is also not connected with them. They don't carry that burden. We carry that burden. So understand this. Understand this. Okay, that's it. We just have to be faithful to be what we are called. That's all God is asking from us. So we have been given two big group, two big weapons. General headings, word of God and prayer. Incredible. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 6 and verse 1 to 4. New nascent church. Thousands are getting added and all the poor, the widows are all coming in there and there is a trouble over there. In those days when the number of disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude the of, of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. Leave that. That's not the issue. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the apostles knows very clearly they have learned their lesson after walking with Jesus. After the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ministry 40 days, the 50th of the Holy Spirit, they realize on these two pillars, the entire church stands, the ministry of prayer and ministry of word continually. And if you come back and see what we saw earlier in the Ephesians, it is, oh, these are the two weapons of mass destruction, destruction of demons and rescue of captives. So please remember these two things, the Pillar of prayer and the pillar of the word of God. And the word of God fo goes forth in different formats like, like we looked at. So the church is the symbol of the kingdom of God on earth. Show me a visible symbol of the kingdom of God on earth. It is the church, the believing church, the actual believing church. Not the religious church, the believing church. And Philippians 3.20, this is what Paul talks about. What happens once we are born again and become part of the church. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord. Our citizenship has changed. Our citizenship is of heaven now. So our job profile changes. Now we are here to further the interests of our king and his kingdom. Whatever we do, everything changes. And the battle is not over land. Because the real estate belongs to God. The earth belongs to God. The battle is over souls. And that battle has to be fought from generation to generation, age to age. That's what the church is commissioned. This is a battle. You have to battle powers of darkness and release men and women. So the gospel has to be preached to every generation. In the process, you also have to hold secure those who are being saved. Two, that's how an army advances. Okay, so army will not just advance like that. They will ask, what is this? What is the purpose of the attack? Just defeat and come back or defeat and hold? If defeat and come back, they'll say, I only need this many people. The general will say, I need around 1,000 people, 2,000 people, and I need this much air cover. You will see the air cover is huge. Because what did that blast bomb the daylights out of them? 
see that they cannot come back and retreat and come back to your own place. But if you have to occupy, you look at the 1990 desert storm when uh, General Schwarzkopf was asked to take you, occupy. So when he was asked, what is this thing? Just defeat the Iraqi army and come back or occupy Iraq? He said, occupy Iraq. Immediately statistics change. I need these many soldiers. 150,000 soldiers to occupy, to hold. So the first attack was destroyed. They destroyed the Iraqi armies, everything they destroyed. And they hardly faced any casualties. But when they went to occupy, casualties came. Why? When you are occupying, you are fighting with one hand behind your back. You have to save people and fight the enemy. It's not easy. Because the people you are trying to save will look at you as the enemy, adversary. That's what happened. God says, this is occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. So you have to understand. So we will face violence and be willing. Be willing. You overcome him, but you don't love your lives even unto death. That's how it goes. Please, if you don't understand it, that's why this is an entire preparation. As we grow, we understand this is how it works. And that's why there are so many casualties in the church. So we have to hold those who saved, which is a difficult process because all kinds of people will be there. That's a vision uh, Peter saw. The sheet was lowered and all kinds of animals are there in it. And he says, kill and eat. Lord heaven. He looks into this not one single clean animal in it. He couldn't pick and choose. You cannot pick who you will save. Every kind of from the villain on the roads, the prostitute from the brothel, to the king in the palace, everybody will come. Treat them all the same. And you have to hold them all. And you have to deal differently with each people. It's not the same. It's easy to do is to deal with the street walker than with the king because I've de- dealt with both royal family and the simple. It's so easy to deal with the simple. This one has an attitude. <laughs> this one will take correction easily. This one you have to be very very careful because he will try to correct you. But you have to remember all kinds come into the kingdom and it doesn't matter whether you were a king or a street walker. Both were unclean. The street walker will easily accept he or she is unclean. The king will not. But both are unclean. Okay. So please keep the kingdom in the center. So even when he asked them to teach them to pray, his prayer was kingdom centric. Teach us to pray. And listening carefully, he said, this is how you should pray. Our father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. The prayer was kingdom centric. So we have to grow in our prayer too. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11. Paul makes this statement. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. And I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. In our prayer life also, when we enter into the kingdom, our prayers are childish. Meaning me, myself, mine. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. My name is Jimmy. Give me. And that's, and if you look, the church is full of children if you listen to their prayers. Prayers. 
but that hurts also. Imagine I have five children. The youngest is two years and the eldest is 25. The youngest comes and tells me, I want ice cream. That's a prayer. The eldest comes and says, Dad, what do you want me to do today? That's also a prayer. The father listens to this and to listens to this. To this he says, okay, go ask mommy. And to this he says, son, this is what I want done. Okay? So you look in the kingdom. The kingdom is full of children. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And they will come and say, father gave me. This is my testimony. They don't realize you are a child. All the testimonies you hear, 99% of the testimonies you see about prayer are childish testimonies. Childish testimonies. The son's testimony even on the cross is, it is finished. You gave me a work to do. Dad, I've done it. I have brought glory to your name. Thy name be hallowed. I have brought glory to your name. Now glorify me with the glory I had from the beginning. I brought your name glory. Your kingdom has come and I finished my work. That prayer is different. And that's what Paul is talking about. When I was a child, let's say I prayed as a child. And I understood my answers as a child. And I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away my childish prayers. Put away childish prayers. Child-centered prayers are about self. Man-centered prayers are about the king and the kingdom. The kingdom. So if you look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2, because it is in that sermon he teaches this prayer, in another loop 11, also in another context. Seeing the multitudes, he went upon a mountain. When he was seated, his disciples came to him. The crowds, the children are down. When they come back, they also will have prayers. Heal me, feed me, touch me. The children are down. The adults have gone up. When he opened his mouth and taught them. It is those who went up from the children, went to him, who received the teaching about prayer. They were the ones who were praying. So Matthew 5, 6, 7 are the kingdom. Entirely about the kingdom. Life, kingdom, prayer, kingdom. Everything about the kingdom. The Middle East. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When it comes to Matthew chapter 6, three aspects of the kingdom or Christian living, kingdom living is chosen. Three primary aspects are chosen. One is giving, the second is prayer, and the third is fasting. These three are given. Okay, chapter 6. And the principle is the same in all three. The principle, core principle, if you look at 6 and verse 1. Take heed you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Principle is the same in your giving life, in your prayer life, or your fasting life. He says, your giving life, your prayer life, and your fasting life is not for men. It's for God and for the kingdom. He will explain it little more simpler form in verse 5 when he comes to prayer. He says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. So he says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't do these things for men. A kingdom person doesn't do anything for men. Though men may be the beneficiaries of his life and actions. He's doing it for the king. So when you are doing it for the king, you can continue doing it till the end of your life. Even if your beneficiaries don't give you a thank you. 
They are beneficiaries. But you are serving your king. He says, if you are doing it for men, you may not be serving your God, your king. And then you may keep on moving as the people keep moving. So he says, don't be like a hypocrite. A hypocrite is who serves men. A kingdom person serves the king. And people are benefited because of that. They may see it as a benefit. They may not see it as a benefit. They may say a thank you. They may be hostile. But your work never ends because you are doing it for the king. So whether it is comes to giving or prayer or fasting, three things Jesus mentions over there. He says, this is a kingdom principle. Do it unto the king. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. So you will be consistent. Then, when they were asked to pray, teach us to pray, he will say, this is how you need to pray. In chapter 6 and verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray. And he adds something which was not there in the old covenant. Our Father. Our Father. Look at Psalm chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. We are given three titles there in the prayer and fourth is added. Here, give ear to my words, O Lord. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. My Lord, my King, my God, my Father. Everything is true. He's my Father, He's my God, He's my Lord, He's my King. Okay. So he adds something which becomes the most personal, intimate relationship a subject has. Suddenly the subject realizes, my Lord, my God, my King is my Father. And that gives you boldness. They did not have boldness in the old covenant. That gives us boldness because the King is my Father. My Lord is my Father. My God is my Father. It's an incredibly Unbelievable if you are an Old Testament person living in that time. It's a shift, a paradigm shift. My Lord, my God, my King has become my Father. It also opens up to my rights as a son and also my responsibilities as a son. We are given added insight into the new covenant shift in the prayer in John 16 and verse 24, if I'm right. Let's see what it is. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that joy. He says, you know what? Now we can ask in my name. In the old covenant there was no name you could ask. You could ask to certain names, but you could not ask in a name. They never entered their prayers in the name of Jesus we pray. New covenant is a completely different shift. This is, you can ask in my name. And ask you will receive. So your joy will be complete. You see, the new covenant prayers are changing. Are changing. You can ask in my name. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18. 2 and verse 18. Everybody, the Jew and the Gentiles who have come into Christ. For through him, in that name, through Christ, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Through him. Okay, Gentile and Jew who comes, okay, not through Mary, not through the saints, not through anybody else, only through him. Through Jesus Christ, we have both access through him. So what does it say? 
It's not that there is a new block, uh, kid in the block. There is a new high priest in town. Hebrews chapter 7, 23 to 25. Hebrews chapter 7. Because in the old covenant, they could only go through a priest. And the priest went to the high priest. There was no way 11 tribes could go directly to God. They had to go through a priest. They had to go through a priest. But the new covenant, something happens. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. His priesthood never ends. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Always. Think about Jesus. When God became man, the second person of the Trinity became man. He's forever that person. He has a body, unlike the Father and the Spirit. He has a human body, the incorruptible body. He's become Jesus Christ forever. Thirty years he lived a life on earth, a home life, hidden life. Three and a half years he has a ministry. And for two thousand years he's interceding. Thirty years he lived as a man. Three and a half years he preached. And for two thousand years unending he has the ministry of intercession. So understand the prominence and the value of intercession, of prayer. If you ask what has been Jesus doing for 2,000 years, praying, interceding for his children, for his brothers and his sisters. As a power, people, people neglect this aspect of Christian life. Take it very, very casually or lightly without realizing that's what Jesus has been doing. doing. Verses 26 to 28, let's continue from there and see what it is written. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's sins. For this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. Right? 28? 28? For the law appoints as high priest men who have weakness. But the word of oath which came after the law appoints a son who has been perfected forever. So we have a high priest. See, simple in our human terms, what I'm understanding is that if uh, Vijay is the priest or the high priest, I go to him with a prayer, he will say, okay, wait, let me clean myself first. So there is always a delay. With Jesus, no. Answer, this is perfect. And supposing he is the high priest and he dies, he had to wait seven days. Everything is stopped. Everything is stopped. Because seven days you have to wait. I think if I am right, right? Seven days you have to wait before the next fellow is... Okay. But Jesus never dies. There is no delay. It is immediate. It is done. There are other things also what he does. Okay. So his sacrifice is enough. Once and for all, forever. That's why he says we offer our prayers in Christ Jesus through the Spirit based on his sacrifice. There is no need for candles, incense, none of those things. No sacrifices are required anymore. If you bring any sacrifice, it is an abomination to God. We are trying to. That's what is happening. You need to understand. You try to burn a candle before God or incense before God. God says, what are you doing? Trying to add to my son's sacrifice? 
It's not enough. It's not enough. Well, that's what happened, used to happen to us so when we were, not personally me, but to us when we were Catholics. You go confess the priest, you will say, go light 21 candles. You mean the, the, the sacrifice of Christ was not enough? It's not enough. And God says, you know what? It's an insult to me. The death of my son, the blood that was shed is not enough. You have to light some candles also, burn some incense also. You don't understand New Testament, the shift that has taken place. So God says, you know what? Everything changes. That's what we saw in 2.18. Where you are a Jew or a Gentile, we all have access through him by the Spirit. By the Spirit. So you see the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit becomes in the new covenant age the core person. Whether it is the word in different formats, whether it is prayer. The Holy Spirit is the person. In Ephesians 6, 18, we saw, yeah, through one spirit, okay, we go to the Father based on the work of Jesus Christ, but we are presented, our prayers, our words are empowered and taken by the Spirit. In Ephesians 6, 18, we saw, when we use the word, it is the sword of the Spirit. When we are praying and supplication, it has to be in the spirit. Otherwise, it's powerless. It is powerless. It has to be in the spirit. Spirit is the main person. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 20, whether it is a faith that comes from the word or your prayer, you beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, you cannot Take him out. If you take him out, your prayers are worthless. It won't work. I'm not saying it won't work, but it is powerless. It is powerless. It's the Holy Spirit that animates everything that God does. Everything that God does. Why is it so? When it comes. Now we are narrowing it down to prayer alone. Romans 8, 26, 27 and 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. Okay? Here am I, a human being, born again, praying. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought. No? That's why a lot of people, when they pray after five minutes, they don't know what to pray. They don't know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In verse 27, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Okay, it's only the Holy Spirit that knows what is the will of God for each individual. And he will pray through that individual for God's will to come to pass in that person's life. So simple one line, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is heaven. Lord, but what is your will for me? The Holy Spirit is the only one who knows. It's not the same for all of us. Common are there, but specific are there. Only the Holy Spirit knows. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 10 and 11, in that letter, he brings another dimension. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. He says, you try to pray without my Spirit. You will hit after some time a dead wall. Because you will not be able to access. Only the Spirit has access to the secrets of God. 
and what are the secrets pertaining to a particular person or a church. So he says, don't try to pray outside my spirit. My spirit is the main factor, my word and my spirit is the main factor in your prayer. So please remember, when we see these truths about the prayer in the new covenant, we will always see why we need the Holy Spirit. And that why we are all, all the warnings in the new covenant are connected with the Holy Spirit. Don't blaspheme, don't quench, don't resist, don't lie. No, all those things are connected with the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, a child of God has no word life or prayer life. And these are the two main pillars of a child of God's life in the churches. Prayer and word. Without the Spirit, it goes. And what happens if the Spirit is upset? All you get is food to eat. What did the children of Israel get for 40 years in the desert? Ate, drank and died. God couldn't use any one of them. Why? Because they upset his spirit. If you upset your father and your mother in your house, what do you get? Food, clothes and water. They'll never reveal what they want you to do. They'll never reveal. You could think it's cool, but you don't realize the waste of a life. It's a waste of a life. You are in a family, but you are of no use in that family. You are in the family of God, but you are of no use to the Father. The Father. Because why? You grieved the Father. So you have told this many things about the Holy Spirit because the entire function of the individual in the kingdom or the church in the kingdom is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, We are looking at prayer, okay? We are looking at prayer. Now we have understood a few of the basics and put the Holy Spirit into the center of it. We always bow down to the Holy Spirit. We start when He says, we stop when He says. It, it, that, that, that discipline takes time, okay? Don't expect it immediately to happen. But as we bow down and surrender to the Holy Spirit, the question comes, how do I pray? Old covenant patterns were different. They had morning prayer. They had evening prayer, right? Daniel prayed three times a day. Uh, David prayed seven times a day. All kinds of prayers were there. Colossians 4.2 and 1 Thessalonians 5.17. New covenant changes. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. He says, pray earnestly, pray vigilant, be very vigilant. But primarily 1 Thessalonians. How do you pray in the new covenant? Lord, when should I pray? God says always. Not three times. Ajay? No, seven times. When do we pray, Ajay? Always. Which time is the best time to pray? Every time. Every time. When the Spirit prods you, pray. When the Spirit doesn't prod you, pray. So the Spirit will come and empower your prayer all the time. When do you pray? All the time. Lord, but I, how can I pray all the time? Because the God of Israel neither sleeps nor neither does your spirit. Your body sleeps. Your spirit never sleeps. Spirit never sleeps. Spirit doesn't need sleep. Understand that. 
you are born as a spiritual person, born again as a spirit being now. The spirit part of you has come to life. So God says in the new covenant, old covenant, when did they pray? Two times, three times, seven times. Old covenant, new covenant, how do you pray? There's a shift that has taken place because what the old covenant people did not have, you have. Something has happened within. The kingdom of God has come inside. It is not city bank. It's the kingdom of God. The city never sleeps. Neither does the kingdom. The kingdom never sleeps. So when you, the first thing is that, when do I pray? Always. All the time. There's no, you have specific times of prayer, dedicated, vigilant, earnest prayer, but you pray all the time. And when you go to sleep, you offer your spirit to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, just pray. I hear my wife praying in tongues all the time when she's sleeping. And she hears me praying in the tongues when I'm sleeping. I can't hear me, but she hears me and I hear her. And we know the spirit praying. We just surrender the spirit to the Holy Spirit and we go to sleep. And the Holy Spirit is fine. You sleep. Your body needs rest. Your spirit doesn't. The spirit doesn't need rest. That's it. So when do you pray? All the time. That's why we've given a language of the spirit. It's a language of the spirit. This is a language of the mind. This is a language of the spirit. If our dear Baptist and Lutheran and all brothers don't want it, that's your problem. You stay within the old covenant realm and prayer. God hears. He heard all the old covenant prayers, but there was limits to it. New covenant, the limits are taken off when you are given a language in the spirit. Okay, language in the spirit. Because if you speak in a language in your sleep which you understand, then you will wake up. So, when do you pray? All time. Always. Every time. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. Second fundamental nature of the new covenant prayer. I desire therefore that men pray. Where do you pray? Everywhere. Everywhere. Old covenant restrictions were placed. Special prayers needed special places. Second Chronicles chapter 7, 12 to 16. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. This is a place where sacrifice will take. You can offer sacrifice wherever you like. This is a place for sacrifice. When I shut up heavens, there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be opened, my ears attended to prayer made in this place. This place. For I have chosen and sanctified this house. This is the place for sacrifice. This is the place for prayer. And when things go really, really bad, it doesn't work. You have to come here. So they were mandated all males of this age and above have to come at least three times a year to Jerusalem because that is the place appointed. Appointed. New covenant things changed. First Corinthians 3, 16, 17. Second Corinthians 6, 16. And First Peter 2, 5. Three portions I'll give you. What happened in the new covenant? Do you not know that you, the individual, everyone sitting here, few of us are here on a Tuesday morning, every individual person who's born again, born again, Ajay, I'm not sure whether he's born again or not. If he's born again, he's the temple. The temple has shifted from a place to a people. You are 
the temple. You, you are the temple. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, 6 and verse 16, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We are the temple now. You, we, we become the, the people become the temple. And Peter, First Peter 2, 5, 3, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a royal priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we have become a temple. And in the temple there is a pujari. Who is the pujari? You are the pujari. You are the temple. You are the priest. And what do those priests, the Levitical priests do? They practically did two things. They offered sacrifices and they offered prayers. These were the two primary functions of the priests in the temple. They offered sacrifices and they offered prayers. These are the two things which we do. We pray, we offer this sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13 and 5. Yeah, yeah 13, 15. 13, Therefore by him let us and pray without... Ah, did you get it? So what does this temple and this pujari do? Pray without ceasing and praise without ceasing. Sacrifice and prayer shall be offered without ceasing to the king. We have become the temple. We have become the priest. So everybody is a priest. Everybody can function as a priest. If you take these two things in. These are the two things the priest did. It was not preaching. Preaching, some people are appointed for that. But what was common about every priest was that they offered sacrifices and they offered prayers. And let us through him, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his. Where can you do it? Everywhere. When can you do it? What happened to Paul and Silas when they were bound and put in prison? What are the two things they did? Praising and praying. They are functioning anywhere as a priest. You see how things have changed? How things have changed. Let's keep it simple. Let's get, don't make it complex like the Old Testament. Okay? So you can pray every time. You can pray everywhere. Third thing about prayer. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for. Okay, that's attitude of the spirit. Because you know who, who your king, your lord, your god is your father. So be anxious for nothing. But in? So what do you pray for? Everything. Every time. Every place. every What should I pray for? Everything. 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 Little or big. Irrelevant. Because it's your father. This one asked for ice cream. This was asked for the father's business. Everything. Everything. Get this, if you forget the rest of the message, remember these things, it will change your prayer life. You can pray every time. You can pray everywhere. You can pray for everything. Everything. Because God has His will in everything. It's very simple. 
and your prayer life will change. You can pray in your shower. You pray when you are driving. You pray in your bed. You pray in your workplace. You can pray everywhere. You can pray for everywhere. You can pray all time. Midnight, early morning, late evening, afternoon. Irrelevant. Pray praise. You can do both. Nobody is going to stop you. It's between you and God. No kingdom, no power on earth. They could only crucify Jesus. Even if they stapled his mouth, you stood up prayed in his mind. You realize you can pray till your last breath. Nobody can stop you. No power of hell or earth has the power to stop you from praying. They can only beat you up, strip you, put your legs in stock, and that's it. What changed the situation? They couldn't stop them from praising and praying. And the power of God came and threw everything open. Okay. Oh, if they had thought like in the Old Testament times, oh, I cannot offer sacrifice because I have to go to Jerusalem. I am in Philippi, a Gentile city. No, no. This is not the time to pray. This is midnight hour. Evening sacrifice time is already over. Let's wait till morning. No. You're new covenant people. You're not bound by any of the restrictions of the Old Testament. All that is gone. And you can come boldly because he's your father. I gave that example. Once my wife and uh, our youngest child, we were in uh, Ranchi. And we had gone for the meeting. And uh, one of the meetings, and uh, we were in the hotel. A child is... Crazy, because, not crazy, timing is crazy, because she's used to U.S. timings. And she's in India. Eleven in the night, she says, I'm hungry. <laughs> we call up, restaurant is closed. Right? Restaurant is closed. So what is she had to do? Eat. Now the same child, when he comes back home at eleven in the night, is hungry. What does the mother say? Kitchen is closed? No. Mother gets up. Goes down, mother and daughter, cook and eat. See, we are not living in a restaurant. We are living in our father's house. Father will never say, you are disturbing my sleep. Because the God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. And his eyes are always over left and right looking for somebody who prays. New covenant, everything has changed. The dynamics have changed. And until the church really understands and individually appropriates it, you will realize you can play, pray every time. So don't ask what time. Every time. Only ask what time the church gathers to pray. That's a different thing. That's corporate. You can pray everywhere. Some of my best revelations and my wife's best revelations we get in the bathroom. While shaving, while showering, that's when God speaks. Everywhere He speaks. Everywhere He speaks. What can you pray for? Everything. Don't ask what thing. Everything. And as you do this, it will get better and clearer. The picture gets clearer and clearer and clearer and more and more and more stronger and more powerful. So these are simple lessons for any believer can appropriate to the youngest who was born again today, to the oldest who was born again 100 years ago. We have believers in our church who has been born again and who is 108 years ago, old. 100 plus also we have. 
person will tell us i was there during the second world war first world war everything i was there okay so please get it praise continually pray continually so we have everything changed the dynamics have changed and the kingdom of god is suddenly and active in the world and if you look at all around the world what is happening when people take it temples are popping up everywhere when the gospel went to the ends of the earth god had temples everywhere and there was continually praise and prayer being offered 24/7 sacrifice rising prayer being offered non stop we may not see now with our eyes the violence but in realm 2 violence is taking place we are not the ones who are fighting those battles we are fighting on our knees angels are being released to fight those battles when daniel prayed he didn't fight the demonic angels michael came okay michael came up there to fight why because this man prayed here so we are praying here there is a battle joined there the battle will not be joined there if we don't pray here when we join there we don't pray here why because god said i give you the authority i asked you to pray i given you the keys i have given you the keys we see the picture in revelation 12 verses 7 to 11 and war broke out in heaven michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer so the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and satan who deceives the whole world he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him what is it talking about it's talking about okay i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation strength and kingdom of our god and the power of his christ has come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our god day and night has been cast down and verse 11 they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony and they did not love their lives to death people were here praying and battle was joined first he was cast down from third heaven to second heaven and because of unceasing prayer on earth one day will be cast down from second heaven to the first so what is certain going he is only going down and down and down and down finally god will take him after another thousand years and cast him into the lake of fire he's not rising he's going down and down and down and down and who are involved in this god says my children are involved in it get involved so our prayer life has to change our prayer life Praise life has to change because of verse twelve. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of earth and the sea. Where is the citizenship? Where do you dwell? Do you dwell on earth or do you dwell in the heavenlies? God has said, "I put you in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus." If you are in the heavenlies and you know that fact, and you're living by faith, knowing this is where I really am, then rejoice. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea! Who those who are earthly rooted, minds are honored. Woe to you! Why? Because now the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time, very short. That's what you're seeing all around the world. Very, very short time. 
like you have in railways and army and all they does before the final thing is what is called a trial run. A trial run is done. That's what they're doing, a trial run. The pandemic is a trial run before the new world order. Compulsory mandatory wearing of mark is the trial run before a compulsory taking of the mark. It's a trial runs. They were localized now, it is universal. So you need to realize the enemy knows his time is very little. So church also knows, should know there is time is very little. The hours of darkness are coming. So our prayer life, our praise life, our word life has to change. Has to change. And God demands it from his children. Okay. So remember this. So to the question, what can I do? The answer is join the army of intercessors and pray. Join the army of intercessors. God doesn't want too many people to preach. Most people should not preach. You will mess up the word. That needs a special gift. That's a gift given by God. But everybody can pray. Everybody can pray everywhere. For everything. Every time you want, you can pray. God is raising an army of intercessors in these last days because this battle in verse 11 has to be joined. These are the people who prayed and they will say they overcame him. They overcame him. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. What is this word? It is a word of praise, the word of proclamation, and above all the word of prayer. And the word of preaching. The four Ps. Prayer, praise, praise, prayer, proclamation, and preaching. All that it all comes out of the mouth. And they brought the devil down and destroyed him. And God wants. But remember Acts chapter 6 and verse 4. The balance has to be completely maintained in our life. It's, a, it's like a uh, scales. It has to be absolutely balanced. Your prayer and your word has to be balanced. Don't imbalance. Your word and your prayer. Don't run away with prayer without the word. Don't run with the word without prayer. It has to be balanced. I'll tell you why. Why is so important the need for balance? Why is it so important? Meaning, how does this change my prayer life? How does the word change my prayer life? Why is it the apostles did not say we will separate ourselves for the ministry of prayer? Why is it they did not say we will separate ourselves for the ministry of the word? Why did they put both together at the same platform? We'll bring the word now into prayer and see, okay? One, one little factor only we are looking at it. What is the first effect or purpose of the word? The first, Romans 10, 17. First is this. Faith comes from and hearing from the, the first thing is that I need to hear. If I don't hear, I cannot get saved. I'm saved by grace through faith. So the first purpose of the word is for faith to come. When the word is preached, I hear, I believe, the finished work of Jesus Christ, grace comes in, I receive mercy for who I am, and I receive the grace of God, and I'm saved. Saved from the wrath of, what am I saved from? The wrath of God, from the penalty of sin, I'm saved. So the first simple primary, most important work of the word of God is that faith will come. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. First, most important. 
Okay? Most important. What is that actually happens? Let's look. Familiar portions, they have to go back to it because these are fundamentals of a Christian's walk. Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. Everyone who believes. There's no restriction. Everyone. We saw every time, every place, everywhere, everyone. Who can pray? Everyone. The fourth one. Who can pray? Everyone can pray. Everyone has come through the gospel can pray. Oh, only pastors should pray. No, Ajay can pray. God will hear. They asked Sadhu Sundar Singh a question. How can my prayer be any effective I am? He said, have you seen the ocean? Have you seen the ocean? They said, yes. What is Have you tasted the water of the ocean? They said, yeah, salty. And he said, all the rain that comes down, is it salty? No. But isn't that the water from the ocean that went up? See, our prayers are like the water of the ocean. What happens is, the God transforms our prayers and sends down His blessings. That's an incredible answer. Incredible answer. Just don't worry about your prayer. You just pray. You just pray. It's like the water of the ocean. Salty. But what happens is there is a transformation that takes place over there. The salt is taken away. Blessings come down. Salt water doesn't come down. Fresh water comes down. And if salt water comes down, it's because we messed up the air. Leave the air alone, fresh water comes down. So everyone can pray. Everyone who is in Christ Jesus from the baby. That's what Acts chapter 2 says. They all prayed. The newborn babies also prayed. Okay. So every time, everywhere, everything, everyone. But this is the first thing you need to realize. For everyone who believes... For in the gospel, what is that we see? We see the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith to faith to faith. It's the righteousness of God. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Come to that. Read Romans 3 verses 21 and 22. Faith comes from hearing. And when I hear and I believe, what does that faith do? This is what it does. Now the righteousness of God apart from the law, is revealed. Both the law and the prophets witness to this. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. There is no difference. This is the entire purpose of every religion and every religious man. What does he want? He wants, at least when he dies, to be declared righteous. Dharmi? Banna hai. Everyone in every religion is like caught in this. If you are a Hindu, you are hoping your karmic works, the good is better than the words, and this balance will tilt you on to the next birth, will be better and better and better. Whether you are a Buddhist, whether you are a Muslim, whether you are a Jew, everyone caught in religion is hoping to be declared righteous. So if you ask a Muslim, Inshallah. If you are a Jew, Lord have mercy. Nobody is sure. So what is the entire thrust of every religion? The atheist doesn't have this. That is why he is able to kill and have no conscience. Caution pricks him, but it's okay. That's why communist regimes have killed more people than all religions put together. Religions kill for the zeal of the religion. Communism 
kills without any reason. Anybody who opposes them, they kill. Because there is no quest for righteousness. When a Muslim, when a Islam, radical Islamic kills somebody in the name of Allah, he's still hoping for righteousness out of it. If on the other way, the interpretation is that if you kill somebody in the name of Allah, you will go to hell, they will stop to Immediately they will stop. No more suicide bombers, nothing. It will stop immediately because in everything they do, there is a pursuit of something. What is pursuit of something? The pursuit of righteousness. Whatever warped way of your thinking or right way of thinking, that is the righteousness that comes from the law. The Bible says now there is the righteousness of God apart from the law. And this is not the righteousness of man. This is not the righteousness of religion. This is not the righteousness of works. This is the very righteousness of God. Very righteousness of God. For everyone who believes. Everyone. Irrespective whether you are Jew or Gentile. You put your faith in Christ. The work he did. People don't understand often when we struggle the magnitude of this. Wages of sin is death. Right? That's what the next verse will say. Right? All have sinned. Fall short. Oh yeah. We're short of the glory of God. Wages of sin is all have Suddenly you look at Jesus, okay? His life for your life. His death for your death. Both are important. Wages of sin is death. So his death for your death. You have to die. He died. That's not enough. He died for me. What about my righteousness? His righteousness for your righteousness. Both. That is why he had to live perfect till the end. So what does God do on the cross when we believe? He dies in my place and I get his righteousness and my sin is put on him. My unrighteousness is put on him. My everything is put on him. So there is an exchange that takes place. His death for my death. His life for my life. And what does God declare? He declares you are just. What does he declare? You're right. What does that mean? You are a just man. You're just. You are justified. You are just. What does God say? The just shall live by faith. Faith unto? Faith. Now you have been declared just. Positionally just in Christ. You have only one way of life. You don't have another way of life. All those who have been justified and declared just can only live one way. Can only live by faith. Three times in Romans 1.17, we saw that the just shall live by faith. Live. 24.7, the rest of your life. The just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11. No. No one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38. Now just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So, when the just is living by faith, he is growing as a just person. That's why we looked at one little thing, but blocks your prayers. Are you just? If I have, like I said, in a court of law, the judge does not have to be a just man. He just has to go by the letter of the law. Not in God's kingdom. 
if I ever have to receive power and authority to rule in that thousand-year reign, I have to be a just man. And if I have to be declared just enough to rule then, even our angels in eternity, I have to have lived by faith. That's how I become just. I was declared just. Now I have to become just in every area. I have to become just. My just shall live by faith. And faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. You hear, you believe, you obey. You hear, you believe, you obey. And you're constantly changing. When you're believing what you hear, you are repenting of what you heard. When you believe and change, you are changing from what you wear. I got so many mails from so around the world we did not know. We were prejudiced. We were prejudiced against the blacks. We were prejudiced against the Hispanics. We were prejudiced. We did not know. We repented. We repented. Prejudiced against the poor. Prejudiced against the illiterate. Prejudiced. We did not realize. God has no prejudice at all. He's a just man. Absolutely. So, the first four things, every time, Every place, everything, everyone in Christ can pray. This should fundamentally change how you look at prayer. and radically change your prayer life. And then if you ask and by faith receive that prayer language, dynamics will change even more. Just believe by faith. Don't believe this. Doesn't matter how great and godly that man of God is who says that is demonic. It is not. It's not demonic. It's from God. If you ask from God, he will not give you a snake. He gives you the Holy Spirit. So be very clear. When Who did you ask? God, what did you ask? Lord, baptize me with the Holy Spirit and give me that prayer language tongues. He did not give you the tongue of the demon. He gave you the tongue of the angels. That's a father. I've never given my children a snake for bread. A scorpion for fish. On the other hand, me, an earthly father, went to the biggest Raita Bazaar and searched and bought and cleaned and packed and kept and fried and gave. And you're telling when you ask the father for the Holy Spirit and for that gift, he gives you demonic tongues. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. And it is not demonic. And doesn't matter if it is John MacArthur or whoever speaks, he doesn't know what he's speaking about. He may be right. And that's what I said. I listen to all these people, listen to things which they know. What they don't know, I tune them off. He doesn't know what it is. But he's very good in all the other areas. A lot of people who have constrained the hand of God in their own prayer life. And you need to realize one thing. You look at the actual statistics. All the non-Pentecostal churches, they are shrinking. The only churches that are growing everywhere in the world are the Pentecostal churches. Why are they shrinking? Because they took the Holy Spirit out in most of their work. They give him a token acknowledgement, but they don't really acknowledge him in the spirit, in the spirit. The spirit is not there in their prayer. The spirit is not invoked in there, in the really empowered in their preaching. Get this thing. So it will change your dynamics. So parallel, you have to keep on growing in your faith unto faith. What happens? You're growing in your righteousness. And you're becoming just. You're becoming just. Just. Please understand. 
Sunday's message, evil men do not understand justice, but just men do. So God is talking, what is growing in righteousness? Am I righteous in all my ways with all men? That's righteousness. All my ways with all men. I need God is righteous in all his ways with all men. Nobody will stand before God and say, God, God says, everybody, everybody will shut their mouth because the evidence is right before everybody. God was always righteous. Because why? He is just. Okay. He, he was not appointed to execute justice. He is just. He is just. So the question we have to always ask, Lord, show me the areas where I am not still just. I have to grow in your righteousness. Am I just? No. Am I just as a person? And you look at the whole gamut of relationships you have and says, am I just? Am I just? Am I just? Am I just? Different ways, dealings you have. Am I just? Make me a just man, Lord. Look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 3 and 4. Moses' final words. Before death. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness. Who is this man? 120 years old. If you look at his resume with carnal eyes, lost everything. Everything. Not even allowed to enter into the promised land also. What happened to all the people you brought? Dead. And who is the last one to die? You. What did you do? What is your life's achievement? I brought a set of people out and have a mountain of bones to prove it. Did you reach them to the other side? No. Did you get anything that was promised? No. Can you enter the promised land? No. But what is your opinion about this God whom you followed? He is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are justice. All his ways are justice. A God of truth without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Right. He's absolutely right. No complaints. He's just. All his ways are justice. All his ways are righteous. And he's absolutely upright. And when it comes to justice, righteousness, he's a rock. Unshakable. Immovable. When we say he's a rock, unshakable, immovable, we mean other things. <laughs> when Moses said he's a rock, unshakable, immovable, he meant about justice. And about righteousness and the way he deals with people. So understand what it means. Mm -hmm. So what is God trying to make every child of his? He's trying to make just men and women out of us. So that all our ways would one day be justice. And we would be people of truth without injustice. And we would be righteous and upright. Take verse 4. And personalizes. Lord, when your work is complete in me, let me not be the hindrance. Finish it in me. Let it be told about me too. He's a rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are justice. A man or a woman of truth without injustice. He's righteous and upright is he. This is what God wants to do. When God says he wants to make us like himself, this is what he means. Everybody thinks about power. Nobody thinks about character. But God says power cannot be given to people who do not have character. 
When my son came in the flesh and finished and became this, I raised him above the heavens and told him all power and authority is in your hands. I gave him unlimited. Because I could trust him. Because he came like one of you and became like me. Though he was always like me for your sake. That's what he's talking about. So the question is, okay, Pastor, congratulations, thank you for teaching us about all that, but how does it affect my prayer life? I'll show you. How does it affect my prayer life? Two ways, primarily two ways. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Okay, 14 and 15. Is anyone among you? Let him call the elders of the church, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. All that is good, but what heals you? The prayer of faith. It says in your prayer there should be faith. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. There is no faith in your prayer. It doesn't work. Faith comes from? Hearing from the? Jesus. Pick up your mat and walk. Here. Your sins are forgiven. What's happening? He's hearing. He's hearing. Do you want to get well? Is hearing. It's hearing. The prayer of faith. Faith comes from hearing. So you know your word, you understand about God as a healer, you know the blocks of healing, and you know how healing flows, and you know sometimes your God does not answer, you know it all, you are hearing. The prayer, faith is the important, the most important or indispensable component of prayer. That's why we brought faith here. Who can pray? Everyone. Does that mean everyone can pray? Because everyone is praying. No. Everyone who is born of faith can pray. Only everyone who is born of prayer can pray. Others also pray. God doesn't hear. Doesn't doesn't hear. God has to hear. Faith has to be the component. Faith changes your prayer life. Why? Because you believe. You believe in what you are praying. So faith. Faith is an essential component of prayer. That's where the word comes in. We will not give away the word for prayer. We will not give away prayer for the word. We will balance it both. We need both. Both are weapons of mass destruction. The sword of the spirit which is the word of God and praying always. All kinds of prayers. As the spirit guides. Both empowered by the spirit. When the word comes in, faith comes into your prayer. Second one, verse 16, B and 17. 16. Confess your trespasses to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then verse 18. Elijah prayed. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let's go to 16 and 17. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's connected with verse 15. Okay? Then the narrative changes. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And we are given an example of a person called Elijah. Turn to First Kings chapter 19, verse 18. And then 18 
First Kings chapter 18, verse, or let's go to 18.13 first. 18.13. Was it not, Obadiah saying, was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave and fed them with bread and wine. So there were 100 prophets. 100 prophets? Samir, 100 prophets? Ada and Elijah. 100 prophets. Not one prophet. There were 101 prophets. Okay? Then 1 Kings 19.18 Yet I have researched 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. There were 7,000 who did not bend their knees to Baal and 100 other prophets. But when the push came, the crisis came to the tipping point in Israel, the prayer of 7,000 were of no avail. The prayer of 100 prophets were no avail. Israel's just destiny lay in balance on the shoulders of one man and he had to be just enough for his prayers to be answered. That's why God says, grow in your righteousness. Your prayer becomes effective. The effective prayer of a righteous man, a just man. To lock up a kingdom, you need to have received that position of just as a person. And we looked at Sunday with pre- about prejudice. There were many widows in Israel. You were sent to the house of a Samaritan. Elijah, your final test. Do you have prejudice in your heart? You're going to eat off the plate of a Samaritan. She will minister to you. You will minister to her. That's the only ministry that will be for three years. If you have prejudice, you will not be able to climb Mount Carmel. It's easy to go to a kosher eating Jewish widow's house and sit with her, you know, on equal terms, you Jew, me Jew. But that's not where we're going to live. We're going to live in a Samaritan's house. That's when Righteousness becomes the sharp edge on the sword of prayer. Prayer is the sword, but many swords are blunt because we have not grown to the need of the hour. There were 100 prophets and 7,000 righteous men, but destiny of a nation lay on the shoulders of one man who was just enough, whose prayer could be heard. And it was a man just like us. And just like us. And that's what God is talking about. Why we should never lose the balance. The word is as important as prayer and the prayer is as important as the word and both are battle axes. Both are battle axes. No, because you know, you can do these things only by faith because you, in this new covenant, you do not even know whose prayer is being answered. But you just pray. You'll be revealed that day as you never earnest fervent, unceasing prayer of that person. Who was fervent? Who was unceasing? You don't know. You just do it because you don't know who else is praying. But you know, I have been called to pray and I will pray. And one day God will say, that one, that lady, that sister, that child, stand up. I heard your prayers. And the world changed. My prayer. 
works, we do it by faith. One day it will be revealed. By faith. Till when? Till the end. Faith. Under faith. Under faith. So when we are going by faith, there is a growing in righteousness. That's what Jude will say in Jude one twenty. He brings both in. Go back to Jude one twenty. Building yourself in your most holy, when you're building up in your faith, you're building up in righteousness. It's just men becoming more just. Just women becoming more just and more just and more. When you become more and more just, you become more and more like God. Character-wise. The problem, you always have to put it there, character-wise. Because everybody is interested in power. <laughs> Boom! Shall we bring down fire? What kind of people are you? They were on a power trip. Lord, demons, now they want to bring down fire. God said, Papa, I came to save, not to destroy. Imagine giving children in the kingdom of God power. They would destroy every Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist. There will be dead bodies all around. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't. Boom. That's what happened with Pastor Eric when he got saved. He tried to witness to somebody he did not believe. He hit his head with a Coca-Cola bottle, Sprite bottle. You can ask him. It's one of his favorite jokes. In his zeal when he got saved, he witnessed. And that guy argued with him and took his bright bottle and hit him with it. <laughs> One way or other, I want to save you. <laughs> so imagine power being given into the hands of children. God says, I want to give you power. But that will be then for people who have become just. Your fervent, effective prayer of a Righteous man. Who is a righteous man? A just man. Just man. Availeth much. God hears. I believe all these people are praying that God heard Elijah's prayer because he looked at his heart and he says, it's real. Your heart is like me. Your burden is my burden. Others are praying the same prayers for other reasons. But your prayer is for my reason. You want people to be saved. They want trouble to cease in their lives. But the prayer sounds the same. You know Lord, please, Lord, have mercy on India. Why are you praying for mercy on India? Because the government is harassing you, right? Another man says, Lord, even if I die, save India. I get it. That's what the saints in the, even our own times and earlier times prayed. Give me Ireland or let me die. Let me die. Give me Wales or let me die. Give me India or let me die. Good says, Elijah's prayer was that. So his final statement on Mount Carmel, Lord, I have done everything according to your word. I have turned these people to you. Turn their hearts to you. Everything I have done is for one purpose. That Israel's heart to turn to you from Baal to Yahweh. Worship you. That's all my My entire life ministry was for one thing. Turn people to you, not to me. Not to me. Turn them to you. God said, prayer answered. Fire came down. Okay. Fire came down. So we need to read, we need to do an edge on our prayer and come from righteousness. The fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man. There is a positional righteousness for a young child. Prayer also God answers. There is a prayer of a righteous man who has grown in faith and in justice. The ways of God. And God says, I hear his prayer. Now as we close, 
I also don't want, as it was tomorrow morning, we'll have prayer from 9.30 onwards. Okay, praise and prayer. I don't want you to get bogged down by the mechanics of prayer. That's what religion does, and that's what the law does, and that's what happened in the Old Testament. Mechanics of prayer. Mark chapter 11, verse 25, one, first one. Mark 11, verse 25. Please read it while I get my pen. Okay, that's enough. Okay, whenever you, you can stand and pray, no problem. Don't get caught in the mechanics of prayer, because religion causes you mechanics of prayer. Okay, meaning much of my prayer in my ministry life was at bus stops, waiting for the pickup. I was working with the underground church. Sometimes wait for 15 minutes, 20 minutes before the bus came or the car came to pick me up and you pray. So you can stand and pray. Mothers can stand and pray when they are cooking, putting the child to sleep, walking on the roads, exercising in the gym. You can stand and pray. Don't get in the mechanics of prayer, bogged down by the mechanics of prayer. Stand and pray. Psalm 95, verse 6. 95 and verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow. You can bow down and pray. You can bow down You can bow down and pray. You can stand and pray. You can bow down and pray. And let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our meek maker. Luke 22, 41. So you can stand and pray. You can bow down and pray. Luke 22, 41. When he had withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed. How did Jesus pray? He knelt down and prayed. You can stand and pray. You can stand and bow and pray. You can kneel down and bow and pray. How did Jesus pray in that instant? He knelt down and many times he stood and prayed. He knelt and prayed. Okay. Acts 20, 36. 20.36 When he has said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. The reason is because we are also speaking to brethren who have come from the Muslim background. They will, not sta- they will not be able to pray in their old religion until certain formats are fixed. There are certain positions fixed to pray. The new covenant, you are free. You are the temple, you are the priest. You are forever offering praise and sacrifice. So whatever position you are in, you can pray. Can kneel down and pray. Number 16.22 They fell on their faces and said, O Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be. How did they say? They lay on the floor and pray. On their faces. You can lie on the floor and pray. Meaning when you are going to bed, pray until you fall asleep. On your face, on your back, pray. They fell on their faces and prayed. Matthew 26, 39. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. He knelt and prayed, then he fell on his face and prayed. David lay on his face for seven days. Got up only on the seventh day. In between he must have slept too. But in that position he prayed. So you can stand and pray. 
can bow down and pray. You can kneel and pray. You can lie on your face. Lie down and pray. Psalm 28 verse 2. And 1 Timothy verse 118. Psalm 28 verse 2. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Timothy 18. 1 Timothy 118. This charge I commit to you, son. Uh, oh, must be 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 218. Okay. I knew it is a 18. 218. All men. Command all men. To eight? Okay. Yeah, it hasn't come on the screen. First Timothy two eight. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. Lifting up. So you can stand and pray. You can bow and pray. You can kneel and pray. You can lie and pray. You can stand up instead of bowing or bowing and with your hands lifted up. Don't get bogged down. Depending upon where you are and what situation you are, appropriate that time. Don't get caught in the law of religion. Exodus chapter 17, verses 11 to 13. 17, 11 to 13. So it was when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. It's a symbol of prayer. But Moses' hand became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands on one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua defeated. So how did Moses pray? He sat down and prayed. First he stood and prayed, and he got tired. When he got tired, he sat down. And because his hands up was very important for them, two people held his hands up. So you can stand and pray. You can sit and pray. You can kneel and pray. You can lie and pray. Just pray. Just pray. Because people will get mechanics of this. Oh, how should I pray? In pray. Depending upon where you are. Don't be religious like people in religion. And I have seen them. They are very religious because the religion has bound them. Like you are traveling in a train. Immediately when the time comes, they get down, they put their mat and they have, can only pray like that. Well, we are also praying. We are lying there, lying there and we are praying. In the spirit. And they are bowed down and pray. Because they are constrained by their situation. They can only pray like this. That's religion. Binds. So if such a man is locked up in prison. And he's chained up like this. He cannot pray. Because religion has defined positions of prayer. God hasn't. Right? Paul and Silas. They cannot... uh, Stand, they cannot lie down because their legs are locked. They cannot lean back. But they were, their prayer was so effective. The earthquake came in. Everybody's chains came off. The doors blew open. But if you look at them, that prayer position is not sanctioned under religion. But they prayed. They prayed. And it was powerful. And they were just men. They were just men. They praised. And they prayed. So please get this simple message. Just pray. Grow in righteousness. Pray every time. Pray everywhere. Pray in everything. Pray everyone. And pray in every position. (laughs)
simple as that. Just try it and see how life will change. Not only personally for you, for the whole world, it will change. It will change. That is the power of prayer. Much is, it's incented and much is wrought in heaven and earth through prayer. Not anything else. E.M. Bounds or somebody said that. I mean, I should find it for us. I mean, I should be very good in these things. Much is wrought in heaven and on earth by prayer. That exact quotation, not exact, but I'm just paraphrasing it. More than anything else is wrought by prayer. And can be just the prayer of one man. One man. That's why God said, I look for one man to stand in the gap. Amen? And tomorrow morning, at 9.30, our whole church in the world, it doesn't matter, numbers don't matter. It's not a question about number. We will join in praise and in prayer. Shall we pray? Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. Make us people of prayer. Make us people who praise you through it all. That sacrifice of prayer. And the sacrifice should only increase more and more. The pressure comes. The intensity increases. The, the, the tribulation. The torture. The pressure from systems, hostile systems increase. It should not cause us to pray less or praise you less. It only should increase us to praise you more and to pray more. Yes, the gods of this world will increase the fire seven times over. But our proclamation and our praise and our prayer will not be dulled. It will only increase, O oh God. Make us a people of the word. Make us a people of prayer. That's our prayer, Lord. And everyone who is of faith can pray. They can pray everywhere, every time, in every position, for everything. And I pray people will carry these five things we learned today into their prayer lives. To the youngest one in the kingdom, to the oldest one, they will carry these five things. And saturate our lives and this world with prayer, O oh Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Rest of the day we commit into thy hands. Be with us. Go with us, Lord. Go before us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.